to Arana Park. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> I kind of love that place. You know, I went there with the kids a few years ago. I actually had a, um, uh, it was a, did you know that giraffes have purple tongues? <laughs> they totally have purple tongues. I never knew that. I was feeding one. I thought it was sick. <laughs> I was feeding these branches going, dude, what, it must be bruised or something. Maybe these branches are too harsh for its mouth, you know, but the gamekeeper assured me that's what they're born with, these purple tongues. Um... I got to feed a rhinoceros at a rhinoceros. They weigh two and a half tons. Two and a half tons. And they're so graceful. They just sort of bounce around on their feet. And they were just like dancers. They were so big. And I always stood. There were these posts. And you were standing there. I was thinking, man, these, there was nothing between me and them and these, just these posts. And they stuck their heads through. And you fed them stuff. It's pretty scary. Oh, 180 kilo silverback gorilla they've got there. So the strength of nine men or seven angry mothers. <laughs> strength of, he was incredible, just big, huge man. But um, I actually went to the, um, uh, went over to the cheetah enclosure. You know what cheetahs are? You know those uh, cats? Yeah, they're cool. They look like sort of like, they're just like giant cats really, skinny things. They look like they need to eat more, but anyway. Um, so I was over there and I was getting close to these cheetahs and I, there was one leaning against the fence. They're quite tall, about this tall. And so I was just sort of leaned there and I just sort of poked it a little bit through the fence because, you know, well, I mean, you know, because I wasn't like hurting it. And it was my finger. It wasn't a stick, you know, so I was just sort of poking it like this. And wow, I'm actually touching a wild animal, you know. And um, because there's just warnings and all around this thing about not touching, but I just, you know, I'm a risk taker. But anyway or an idiot, one or the other. So I'm, I'm, I'm touching this cheetah, and um, then the gamekeeper comes over to me, and I'm like, oh, so I sort of <laughs> my finger back. And he goes, did you know? He said, um, you can go into the cage with the cheetahs. I said, are you kidding me? He goes, no, $150. <laughs> You're allowed to go into the cage with the cheetahs. I thought, I'm totally fine standing here poking it through the cage for free, you know? And... Um, it was pretty cool. And so, yeah, and he said, and he went on and said, he goes, you know, we have uh, one of the best breeding programs for cheetahs in the world. I was like, wow, really? You don't say. I didn't hear any Barry, music, uh, Barry White music playing in the background or anything. I'm like, how do you do it? And um, he said, well, we run them. I said, you do what? He said, we run them. He said, about twice, three times a week, we take the ute out and we tie meat to the back of it and we drive down the paddock. We get up to about 80 kilometers an hour and these cats go and run. And he said, they run and they breed. And I, I knew at that moment God was sort of speaking to me and making me aware that, you know, when you are created to do, when you do what you're created to do, not stifle, but when you do what you're created to do, then life will come from you. Hmm? You take away the cheetahs running, put them in a cage, well, he ain't going to breed. Because he wasn't created to stay in a cage. And you know, you've all been created to do something. But you see, we can put ourselves in the mental cage or the physical cage, or sometimes we are in a physical one. But you see, we've been called this year, Hebrews 12, 1 says, let us throw off. Everyone say, throw off. Throw off everything, not some things. No, 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 no. Everything that hinders. And let us run with perseverance the race 
set before you. You know, if you're uh, taking notes, if you need a, uh, this message is called build again, build again. Maybe you just need to, maybe you put your building on hold. I'm talking about your spiritual building, your soul building, your building in the Lord. Maybe you've just gone on hold for a few years. Maybe you've had a good excuse like me, COVID sort of knocked us round. But no, it's time to build again. If you've got Bibles, maybe you could turn this morning to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. And if you don't know where that is, just open your phone and just tap the screen. People will think you're turning there. I prefer a Bible. If you are looking for Nehemiah, go to the book of Kings, Chronicles, Ezra. If you've gone to Psalms, you've gone too far. Psalms is easy to find. It's one of the largest books in the Bible, so it's just sort of slap dab in the middle. Nehemiah is just back from that. So I want to talk a little bit about Nehemiah today. It's not a long message, but I want to talk a little bit about Nehemiah and the building of the wall. You see, Nehemiah was responsible for the leading and rebuilding of not only Jerusalem's walls, but actually the reestablishment of the priesthood and people and a nation of people. And um, it's actually a prophetic story that gives us incredible guidance on how to build again our lives. And that's just so that we can see kingdoms standing come back into our lives again. Now, sometimes we go, well, it's a good story, Alistair, the building of the walls, but my walls are doing okay. I'm not too bad. I'm probably, you know, I'm all right. But I want to tell you, Ephesians tells us that he has given us apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers to build you up to the fullness of Christ. And if you're not at the fullness of Christ yet, if you're like me and not there yet, then there's some walls that are still down in your life. There are walls that need some rebuilding. But here's the deal. Nehemiah's name is interesting because his name means comforter. Now, in the Bible, do we know someone else called the comforter? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said in the book of Acts, I'm going to go so that I can send you the comforter. Not a big stick to tell you off. Not an angry, I'm not saying we don't get discipline from the Lord. Not an angry, grumpy spirit. No, the comforter. So Nehemiah's name is Comforter. But he also had an enemy at that time whose name was Sanballat and Tobiah. Tobiah, his name, when you actually study the ancient Hebrew, he actually means good for nothing. So we have Nehemiah meaning Comforter, and we actually have Tobiah, whose name means good for nothing, not wanting this work to be done. Does this sound like the setup for something God wants to bring victory on? So as the story begins, the story begins, and just stick with me, don't fall asleep. If you do fall asleep, just give them a nudge if you see someone snoring. But you see, Nehemiah, his role in the king's court was he was the cup bearer. It didn't mean that he walked around with a cup behind the king, just sort of holding it like this. Are you ready for a drink? You know, he, he was, he, the duty of this guy was to keep the king safe. So the cup bearer, Anything that went in the king's mouth generally was wine, but anyway, generally went in, could be poison. So his job was to taste it, but his job was also counsel for the king. His job was also to um, let him know and make him aware of what was going on in the court. He had quite a counseling um, role, and he would actually confide, the king would confide in the cupbearer. It was a very high duty. But while he was in his court one day, Nehemiah's brother comes to him, and, and Nehemiah, not having anything to do with Jerusalem really at that time, but Jerusalem was the heart of worship for the whole of that nation. It was God where God resided. And he asked his brother, how is Jerusalem doing? And he says, bro, haven't you heard? He says, it's torn down. It's 
absolutely decimated. It's shredded. It's not like it was at all. Every time they try and rebuild, it just gets shattered. Their crops are burned. You know, it's like this for many of you here. Some of you have come out of a pretty tough time. Businesses, look at our nation. You know, I think it was through COVID, 12,000 businesses in Auckland closed their doors. Shattered, broken, damaged. Nehemiah said that he just knelt and wept. See, the journey then went on. There's a bit more to the story, but I won't go into all of it, where he actually, um, the king sees him down, says, what's wrong with you, Nehemiah? You're not allowed to look down before the king. If you look sad in front of the king, he can have you killed. He, was gonna, he had to approach the king about, he wanted to go to Jerusalem. He wanted to rebuild. But you can't just approach the king because you get killed as well. In fact, there wasn't a lot in the Old Testament that you couldn't not get killed for. There was a lot of killing going on. And so the, the king sends him out, gives him a writ. He goes to the king of that nation to get wood to, to do the building. But there are some pieces of the story that I want to share this morning for you that I feel God wants to speak into the build again of this house. The first scripture I want to bring to you today is in chapter 2, verse 11. And it says that, So I comforter, Nehemiah, came to Jerusalem, to his holy people. To me, that is a picture of you. You people, you are the Jerusalem of this day in one sense of the word. I know there is a holy Israel and there's a Jerusalem, but you are God's people. So we have Holy Spirit coming. And it says, I was there three days and then I arose in the night. Does anyone else know anyone in the Bible who was there three days then rose? So the first point I want to take from this scripture when Nehemiah started to build again was this point here. He arose in the night, the scripture says. He was there three days and arose in the night. You know, how many of you here know when it's dark, when it's the dark night of your soul? Has anyone been through that in their life? The dark, a few hands going up. The dark night of your soul. When all around you seems in turmoil, I want to tell you it's not time to wallow in the darkness. It's time to arise and shine. You see, Nehemiah arose in the night. He didn't lay down in the night. He didn't give a commentary on how dark the darkness was. He arose in the night. You might say, look, you don't know my situation, Alistair. You don't know how much what I'm going through. But I found this. I find things don't get better unless we choose in some way to arise. If we lay down in our darkness, that's where we stay. But we at some point have to arise in our night. You know, I have so many Christians out there saying, oh, it's only getting darker, Alistair. Well, yeah, sure. But I want to tell you, the darker it gets out there means that I only become more bright. You know the old saying, you can't see the stars during the day. You can only see them at night when it's dark. The darker it gets, the, sh the, 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 more I, the, the more I shine, the more visible I become. You know, I was just, just to give you some idea of what's going on, because what happens is, is that we get so often, and not you, but maybe more me, we get wound up in the bubble of our church, we get wound up in the bubble of my life, and we don't look to what God is doing and what he's stirring in the nation and nations, because we turn the news on at night, and the news will not put on what's happening. So in Australia at the moment, there is a revival nights are taking place. So Tim Hall and a guy called Daniel Hagen are uh, just running this event. This is an outpouring night. They, this is the, they're on day five, I think, now of a seven-night revival. Um, I've been watching it every night this week. 
And so far, they've had just on 200 people give their life to the Lord. That's just this week in Australia. In the middle of all this darkness, oh, have you not seen how dark it is out there, Alistair? Oh, yeah, sure, but have you not seen the light? I mean, look at this. People just out in the spirit. They've got healings taking place over there. The, sta- the, the stadium, this guy, he had 2,000 people turn up to one of his tent nights. You know, look at that guy over there. He's howling for the Lord. I tell you, when revival's happening in a room, when God is breaking out, you're going to hear some weird stuff at times, you know? So again, I want to tell you, uh, uh, Nehemiah arose in the night. This church is arising in the night. God is calling you to arise in the night of your life. Let's look at verse 13. It says here, so from here he arose. He went out at night by the valley gate in the direction of the serpent's well and on to the refuse gate, expecting the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were consumed by fire. Well, that might can echo for a lot of people in this country right now. But then he passed to the fountain gate in the king's pool and there was... No place for his mount to pass. The second point I want to talk about here is when you arise, it is then time to do what Nehemiah did, to inspect the wall. He went up by night to the ravine and he inspected the wall. He inspected the wall. So I've got to ask you, how are your walls doing? Hmm? How are your walls doing in school and college? with your friends. How are those walls doing? Are you coping okay? How are the walls of your marriage going? How's the walls of your job going and its challenges? How are the walls of your character as a person going? Do I stand up and take ownership of my problems? Or like Adam in the garden, do I blame others for my mistakes? How is the wall of integrity and honesty? How are you doing with the wall of fear around speaking to people about how much Jesus loves them? How are your walls You see, we need to inspect the walls of our life to see if we have access to the king's gate and the fountain fountain pool. Or are we dwelling around the refuse gate and the serpent's well in our life? After the inspection, Nehemiah And verse 17 says, come, let us build a wall. Let us build again. And he he divided up the families to their areas and their places. And he did an incredible work. It was actually incredible work. And just started this build to take place. You know, God will have you build something in your life this year. This is a restoration year. Restoring is beginning. And he's going to bring some walls up for you. If you've suddenly found that you've entered this year with one heck of a wall in front of you, praise the Lord and give him a clap. Because I want to tell you that he's brought that wall up because he wants to see that he wants to see what, um, what the enemy is trying to put in front of you. He's going to say, no, 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 I've got a wall that I want you to put in front of that thing. It is a wall that will keep all that stuff out. I want you to have me as your one true love. I want you to have me as the foundation of your faith. And if you've got stuff coming up in front of you, the enemy is just tearing at you. Well, clap your hands because I believe God wants to rebuild the wall in you again this year. You know, I spend a long time in uh, traveling the nation, as you guys know, doing a lot of preaching, speaking, and ministering around the nation for a lot of years before pastoring. And um, I remember going to this church. I went to this church and this lady was there and I 
had lines lined up, all these people, and you just go down the line prophesying over people. And, um, and then I prayed for this lady, and afterwards she came up to me. She wasn't really that happy, and I'm okay with people not being happy. It's all good. I'm a dad. I've got kids that aren't happy with me either. And um, it's just par for the course. So I, um, uh, she said, Alistair, I'm really concerned about that word. And I said, oh, shoot, go. Prophecy is to be judged. So judge away. Um, she said, well, your word. Um, she said, you've been here three years in a row? I said, yes. She says, do you remember the words? I said, I prophesy over hundreds of people every year. No, I do not remember your words. She goes, well, she said, you've told me the same thing every year you came here. The same thing. So either I'm remembering it and just regurgitating it, or God might be speaking to her. And I said, uh-huh. And she was, like, confused about this. So I just looked at her and I said, well, are you doing it? And <laughs> she goes, well, no, not really. I said, well, that's why you're getting the same word. <laughs> that's why you're getting the same word. And I think some of us live our lives wondering why it is we're not hearing afresh from God when the last thing he asked us to do ain't being done. It'll always be bigger than you. It'll always be scarier than you. It'll always be too much for you. Because if it was within your grasp, then why would you need God? Why would we need God if it's within our human capacity? Parenting is not within our human capacity. It is not within, you know, broken collarbone when you're about to go on holiday with three kids up north is not in your capacity. But God gives us capacity. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Nehemiah said, come, let us build. This is not a work on your own. This is a community work. There's a reason we're putting on connect groups and life groups and Sunday mornings, so you're not building alone. That's why Bride arises on, so you're not building alone. You don't want to build alone, or you'll probably build a really weird house. We need the voices of others. The Proverbs says that iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We're meant to rub up against each other. It's what keeps us from going rusty, keeps us sharp. But here's the challenge as I finish up this message. In verse 219 of Nehemiah, it says that two officials, two people of the standing in the community, hear, the, hear this, standing in the community. We speak for the bulk of the people here, Jerusalem. They had influence. Sanballat and Tobiah, whose name means good for nothing, laughed at us. Anyone laughing at the church lately? They laughed at us and despised us. Any despising of the church happening in the world at the moment? And they became furious and angry at the rebuilding of the wall, which is my final point here today. Maybe music team, you could pop back up. It's my final point today. Don't let good for nothing distract you from your task. Hmm? Do not let that Tobiah come in. No, no, no. He has sent you Nehemiah, the comforter, to build. He has sent you a team of people to build with. Our requirement is we are willing to pick up the hammer and work with him. You know, sometimes when we're building, we take a hit. Anybody take any hits in their life, in their faith? Any faith hits? Just me? Okay, it must just be me. I'll share one of those. If you're going through a hard time, one thing I've found that in adversity, God will introduce a man or a woman to themselves. If you're going through adversity, I'm not saying you're a bad person, but sometimes there's stuff in our life that comes to the surface and it needs to be addressed. And he introduces us to ourselves 
so that he can say, now let me show you the person that I'm going to bring through this. You know, many years ago, it would probably be about six years ago, seven years ago, maybe eight years ago, I can't remember, um, but I was going through one of the toughest times of my life. We had a, I got rung in the morning uh, from my boss saying we've just had half a million dollars worth of our stock damaged because of manufacturing errors in the factory, and I was actually managing that factory. Half a million dollars worth of damaged stock. I didn't even know. And it turned out when we explored it, it was actually some people doing some really dodgy stuff and doing some weird stuff with the books. It was really quite hard, but it was tough. It's three months, four months, five months, six months of just utter pain working through this. At the same time, I won't go into detail, but our church went through exactly the same turmoil. Exactly the same. Hits on both fronts. My wife will tell you that I was absolutely shattered. I could barely get to work. I would wake up in the morning absolutely downtrodden. I, I just couldn't face another day. Church, uh, my goodness, it was just turmoil there as well. I just was just calling out to God, and I just felt like the heavens were a bit brass. And then I um, sat in my car one morning. Oh, actually, what I did was I, the only place that I would get a reprieve from this pain was I'd go out in the street and minister, because I just sort of sort of go connect with people, and it was cool. But this one day, there was a group of about 20 kids, uh, maybe 17 to 21, over in Victory Park. And so I went over there. And when I went over there, I started ministering to this kid on the outside with my team. I started ministering to this one. My, my, this is my place. This is where I love ministering. And then in that moment, someone screamed at us from over the other side of the group. They said, we don't want you here. Get out. And he was just on his own, standing there. And the rest of the group like turned to him. I was like, dude, what do you want? And I was like angry at him. And I said, we're not here for you. And I just sort of waffled something. We carried on ministering. But I went home. So my work was shot. My church felt like it was shot. <laughs> And now my place of peace was shot. I went home that night and I was absolutely just shattered upon shattered. And I just went to bed. I hardly slept again for another night. And I got up in about five or four in the morning. I got in my car, sat there for about an hour <laughs> just praying. And, and then I just started to, once I got my gripes out to God, I just started to, I just said, God, renew a right spirit within me. That's all I said. Renew a right spirit within me. And in that moment, I had a thought. Just a thought popped into my head. Just a thought. I'll go back to that park, to that same spot where that person abused me. Because I'd convinced myself that I'd been at the park too much lately, that I was offending people, all this rubbish. It's like, my goodness, who cares what they think? I'm bringing the word. But anyway, so I, 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 with what little strength I had, I didn't have to start the car. We lived on a hill. I just let the brake off. I just rolled down the hill into the park. I got there and I walked to the place where I was offended. And I stood there and I just thanked the Lord. I thanked him. And as I stood there, this girl walked up. Totally, she was all dressed up. Absolutely, really attractive girl. She was a young Maori girl. And she was all dressed up like she was going to a nightclub or something. She was really just beautifully dressed up. And she sat right there, like literally like eight feet away from where I was. And I was, what are you doing here at this hour of the morning? And I said, are you all right? And she goes, yes. And I said, what are you doing? <laughs> this is, I'm here. You know, um, <laughs> this is my prayer poll. No, um, what are you doing? She said, well, she goes, I was in my house. She said, I was supposed to come down here and sit on the seat, and I don't know why. I said, I think I know why. And in that moment, she asked Jesus into her life. 
I want to tell you something, friends. The dogs of doom are always at the door of destiny. On the back of that attack was actually a salvation of an amazing woman. I actually found out later on that this young girl was actually a very powerful speaker, like a princess in the Māori movement. It's incredible. Someone who actually carried a lot of influence. I want to tell you, friends, fear is a thief. It robbed Peter of a perfectly good walk on water and kept the eleven in the boat. Don't let fear shut you down. Maybe just turn the lights down there, Gary. That'd be great. You see this here? I took a photo of that just for you guys. That has no worries at all. Yeah, I'm like that. <laughs> Do you feel warmer? Yeah, it's quite toasty. I was actually praying. <laughs> I was praying last night over this message this morning. I'm actually at Quinny's Bush at the moment. So I was out there just with the kids and I trucked in. So I want to let you know I've made quite a sacrifice to be here this morning, just so you all know that. No. <laughs> I'm joking. Hey, um, so I was there last night. And um, it was about 11.30. And I felt the Lord say to me, he said, um, what do you see? I was looking at the campfire. He goes, what do you see? So I, I wandered over to that campfire there. This was like a receptacle. We put wood and we just flames, toast marshmallows, and the kids, you go crazy with too much sugar. And um, I looked in it, and I said, um, and I didn't hear the Lord. There was no voice. It was in my spirit, right? Just so you don't think I'm completely weird. But in my spirit, I felt the Lord say to me, what do you see? And I looked in there, and I said, um, I see a fire almost gone out. And the Lord said to me, do you know what I see? And I said, what? He said, I see the hottest part of the fire, the embers. And then he said to me this, he said, there are many people in my church, both in this church and in the nation and the city, who are looking in the fire of their faith and saying, it's nearly out now. I belong. He's going, no, 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 no. He say, I have allowed this burning to take place, to burn out everything that was not of me. All the wood stuffed in there by man, everything that I had not planned, it is burnt down now. And what is left is the hottest part of the fire of their faith. All as I have to do is throw my tinder on that, and it will flare up again beautifully with strength and with power. Oh, we would, we would just want to go and start another fire over here somewhere and light it up and see the flames. But this fire, if you were to put wood upon it, that would take light so much faster and have so much more strength. And I feel the Lord is wanting to encourage you this morning that if you're feeling like your fire has gone out, he's saying, look again. I have taken you to the hottest part of your fire and you haven't even realized it. Just like Jacob at Haran, he lay his head down. The angels ascending and descending on the ladder. He had a dream. And he says, surely God is in this place. And I did not even realize it. So let's just stand this morning as we finish up. We're just going to sing a little bit more of this song. And I pray that in this song that you sing, that if any part of this message is spoken to you today, Receive that part with thanksgiving and allow it to be the beginning of the new wood that he wants you to bring on the campfire of your faith. Oh, you think it's burnt down? Praise the Lord. Look again. It is the hottest part.